Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, October the 14th, 2023. It is currently 1013 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, the situation within Israel continues to develop, continues to escalate. The situation at times seems like it could spiral completely out of control, but you don't want to exaggerate it. You don't want to use hyperbole, but it definitely feels that way. Now, feeling is not an indication of reality, but it definitely just is getting this there's just this feeling that this situation is going to get much worse before it gets better. I'm continuing doing my very best to try to keep up with it. I'm at the same time struggling greatly with knowing when to turn on the microphone and talk, when not to, when to try to do other things. But in some ways, as this situation continues to develop, there's always that feeling like, how do I turn on the microphone and go, you know, good morning, everyone. Today, let's talk about this as if this other thing is not happening, right? So I, but at the same time, I don't want us to become so preoccupied and and invested in what's happening that we then neglect ourselves spiritually. I'm trying to find that balance. Obviously, I have not quite figured it out. Obviously, we did the uh, Bible pop quiz yesterday, so hopefully that was some help. Uh, that getting us into Exodus chapter 32, 33, and 34. We we just focused on 32. So hopefully that was somewhat uh, beneficial. My plan tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church is to try to return to our study on the tabernacle. But if I'm being honest with you, there is a major... I'm being pulled. There's a major pulling of me to to possibly open up my Bible to Ezekiel 38, just because whenever things start happening within Israel, everyone runs to Ezekiel 38. Everyone runs there. And then the people start, you know, having sermons about Ezekiel 38. So maybe tomorrow we'll spend some time. I'm still just trying to find the balance because even that, then is that becoming too, I mean, it is dealing with the word of God. So that's beneficial, but it's just very I'm having a hard time, and some of you have emailed me stress, you know, emphasizing the same thing, that with everything happening right now, right, with everything going on within Israel, the major divide within our world, like people literally supporting Hamas and supporting terrorists and supporting the killing of Jews on when that's crazy, anti-Semitism everywhere, it's just, uh, and then... The situation right currently is Iran going to be involved? They're making warnings. Yeah, where, where does Hezbollah show up into all of this? You've got Hamas. You've just got you've got a possibly land invasion that's going to occur as Israel goes in to try to eradicate and remove Hamas. It's just the the whole situation, and so trying to follow it, but yet maintain a focus daily on scripture devotions, sermons, you know, growing spiritually, trying to maintain that spiritual uh, focus is becoming very difficult. So I have been trying to also keep up 
with how other churches and other ministries are talking about the situation and talking about and seeing what they're doing. I'm trying to, I've been trying to warn people, let's be very careful that as soon as, because anytime something happens within Israel, uh, almost you just usually give it 24 hours and there'll be someone with somewhere saying, this is a fulfillment of prophecy and this is it. And, and Jesus is going to return in 15 minutes and everyone, and, and next thing you know, people are writing books and they're, they're doing sermon series and they're making predictions and they're claiming this and they're claiming that. And then, well, it all ends. Everyone moves on. And they just wait till the next time. And so I, I've been trying to at least keep up with that kind of, or just keep up with what people are saying so that I can constantly try to be a voice of reason saying, hey, 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 we want to keep up with what's going on. We want to be very open and honest with what's going on. We want to look at it. We, we want to obviously pray for some kind of peace so that people are not dying. We, we don't want anyone to die on, on either side because, you, because those are human beings creating the image of God. Death and war and destruction is always a horrible, horrible thing. We, we, it should always bother us. So I want us to maintain kind of a right perspective and not fall over into sensationalism, conspiratorial thinking, and any of that. So I've just been listening to different ministries. We've, we've reviewed a little bit of audio here or there. So far, everything has been pretty, very level-headed and been pretty straightforward. I'm, I'm sure there's stuff out there that I haven't, you know, watched yet. Because again, I'm still trying to debate how much broadcast time do I dedicate to this before I... I'm imbalanced myself and, and I'm not providing you spiritual food. So I'm still trying to figure that out. But the other day we went to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, virtually, and we stopped by Calvary Chapel there in Albuquerque, New, uh, New Mexico, pastored by Skip Heidzig. And he, I think this was Wednesday, um, he basically dedicated his entire service to what's happening in Israel and Gaza. He did some interviews, and then uh, we, we listened to those interviews. I thought they were they offered some good information. We 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 challenged some of the reporting, but because there's been other information that's come out, but I think we did pretty good with that. I thought it was beneficial, and I said that I probably wouldn't review the rest. But then I thought, you know what? I've already got it queued up. Let's just go ahead and review the rest of this and see what he had to say. And we'll, we'll just build from that. So I, I said I was, if I did review the rest, I said I wasn't going to call it part two, but here we, here we are. We're calling it part two. Israel and Gaza, part two. Skip Heidzig, Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Obviously, I don't agree with all the teachings of Calvary Chapel, clearly, but I do appreciate uh, the, the teaching of Skip Heidzig has been a part of my life for a pretty long time. I don't always agree, but I've definitely listened to him for many years, going back to the 1990s. So um, we'll just see what he had to say. Remember how we do reviews? I don't listen to them first, uh, because then that would come across as rehearsed and, oh, you're trying to find stuff you disagree with. No, what I typically do is I've, if I get ready to listen to something, I just turn on the microphone and invite you to listen with me. And then we talk it through and we analyze, we critique. And we offer our own thoughts and opinions. Sometimes we take what they're saying and we go in a completely different direction. So we never know what's going to happen. But I am curious to see how he was dealing with this subject. I thought the interviews was very interesting that he did. It's pretty interesting to, you know, air these interviews. So we reviewed those. I don't know. What, I think he's getting ready to go now into some kind of teaching. I'm just curious 
what scripture he's going to use, and we're going to be able to look and see if we think these are these scriptures are applicable, not applicable, because whenever we get to biblical prophecy, well, we we could have a we could have a long hermeneutical discussion, an exegetical discussion, and how many people handle these passages. Some people take passages that to me are clearly about seventy A.D. and they grab them and rip them away from being fulfilled in 70 AD and immediately throw them to the future and say, that's where it was fulfilled. And I'm like, no, that was pointing to 70 AD. So sometimes there's much disagreement within Christian history over how to handle some passages. So I'm going to be curious which scriptures he quotes and we'll, we'll discuss them when we get there. So are you ready? Let's go back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, Skip Heidzig, Calvary Chapel. I believe this may have been Wednesday. I believe it may have been Wednesday. And uh, he dedicated the entire service to the Israel-Gaza situation. And let's see what they had to say. Here we go. Steve, the tour guide, now Steve, the preacher. So let, let me help frame this a little bit um, contemporarily as well as biblically in the time we have remaining. I know the Middle East seems like a very complex situation. It's actually pretty basic. One side wants the other side dead. On one side, you have a Jewish nation, a Jewish state called modern-day Israel. Israel wishes to exist as a sovereign state living in peace, but they also recognize that the Palestinians want their own state, and they want it would seem like a level of peace. That's their presumption. Effectively, what Gaza has been in the past is a Palestinian state. Contrary to what you may have heard, Gaza is not occupied by the Israelis. In 2005, under Ariel Sharon, they completely left Gaza, completely gave it over to the authority of the Palestinians, who then elected Hamas to be the ruling governing body in that district. Most Palestinians and other Arab nations, not all, but many of them, deny the right of Israel to exist. All right, now this, he's getting into some... Now, I... I do appreciate, on one hand, when someone says, look, this is a, many people see this as a complicated thing. It's relatively simple. Israel wants to exist in peace. Many Palestinians want to exist in peace, but many within the Islamic Palestinian world doesn't want Israel to exist. They want them wiped off the face of existence. Some people see Gaza still as being occupied and controlled by Israel and that it's, you know, the longest, you know, occupation in, in modern history, you know, depending, again, depending on who you listen to, right? I was listening to an, a someone, part of an Islamic group on BBC. I don't know, three, four in the morning. I don't know if it was this morning. I don't know which morning it was. Basically, you know, screaming that, you know, Israel's been, you know, um, 
been basically there within Gaza this entire time. They've, they've, it's an occupation and then it's evil and that it's wrong and it's criminal. And so Israel deserves what they get kind of, 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 of talk. So everyone has very different perspectives. So I understand he wants to simplify it. Here's Israel. They want to exist as a sovereign nation, right? Here's Gaza. They want to exist as a sovereign nation, but within Gaza, within the Islamic world, many of them doesn't want Israel to exist. Okay, I I do understand that there is a level of truth to that. Just remember, depending on who you speak to, they're going to have radically different perspectives on this, right? And none of that even br- brings in any religious perspective or any theological perspective or any or or any biblical perspective. But I I don't think. My, here's my own personal take is that no, because I've seen a lot of comments who blame a lot of what's happening on Christians, right? It's Christianity and it's, it's the evangelical Christian world, really dispensational view that Israel still, the land still belongs to Israel and they will inherit the land. It's, it's the fault of Christianity. It's a fault of a Christianity that teaches Israel is still God's chosen nation and God will fulfill those promises. And I think that that's, that's not anywhere close to accurate, because I think if you look at that, whether it's Jews, whether it's Christians who believe there's a future for Israel, and whether it's Muslims, it's all based off religious understanding of that land and who who was promised the land and who gets the land. Uh, does it come through Isaac? Does it come through Ishmael? I mean, you have uh, all of it really is rooted in that. That's why many atheists and agnostic look at the entire situation and say, that's where religion will get you. And you can't, you can't blame them for having that mentality. So I, I think in some ways, you can try to simplify it. And I appreciate Skip trying to, to, uh, to simplify it. But I do believe it's very, it's very much more complicated because there is clearly religious issues here based off, well, who whose religious text is authoritative? Well, in many cases, you're using the same religious text, right? And Muslims accept the first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? They accept that. Jews accept that. Christians accept that. Uh, and so how do you understand it? I mean, even within Christianity, there is division. There are those Christians who say, no, modern day Israel is not biblical Israel. There's no promise to them. They they did not fulfill the covenant. The covenant was taken from them. It was given to spiritual Israel. Or some will say it was never made with national Israel. It was always made with spiritual Israel. That is the church. There is no future for Israel as a nation. There is no land promised to them. There's not going to be another temple. None of that's going to happen. It's all in the church. So even within Christianity, there's much division over how do you even interpret some of those sections. And so uh, you've got Judaism, you've got Islam, you've got Christianity, and all believe something in regards to Abraham, to the Abrahamic covenant, to the land. You've every, all, look, all three of, you've got three of the largest, three of the large world religions, right? who all believe specific things about Israel and about land, about the Temple Mount, all of that. And you throw in three religions with three very different theological perspectives that pertain specifically to land, the nation, the Temple Mount, to the holy sites. As simple as as you want to make it, 
that la- that adds layer upon layer upon layer of complications. And then you have people in the world, governmental leaders, other people, you know, that you know that you work with, friends who will all have strong opinions about it, but I think many of them have no direct understanding of the religious implications. None. I don't think they understand the religious implications. When I was in uh, the United States military, it was at a, a, a particular school for training and we had to give speeches. And I was uh, I my speech was on the nation of Israel and the situation going on in Israel. So I approached my speech on Israel with dealing with really the the kind of the the a more theological approach to it and letting them understand that there's so many of the issues there are theological, right? That when they're, when many of those Jews are praying at that, at the Western wall, they're really praying for, well, that temple Mount to become the temple again. They want the temple to be there. They want sacrifices there. Now you've got many more secular Jews who may not see it that way, but I wanted to add that dimension to it because Everyone else would look at it from a more geopolitical, military strategy, who benefits whom, like that. And I was like, there's a major theological component here that everyone misses. And when I, no, everyone was like, I have never heard anything like that. And I'm like, that it's, that's the whole issue over there. So yes, simple on one hand. Extremely complicated on another because it comes down to, well, which, Theological perspective is correct. Which religious perspective is correct? Now, I believe my own is I believe God is not done with the nation of Israel. I believe he made a covenant and he will keep that covenant, which includes them getting the land, the restoration of Israel, the salvation of Israel and the obtaining the land. I, I at this point, theologically, hermeneutically, I just I believe that there's just no way if you throw Israel out then I believe then, then God's calling an election is not sure. And I, and I, and one of the reasons I can trust God's calling an election, because I believe he's not done with Israel. So, um, I think, I think, and this is why there's so much division, not only within the nations, there's division even within the church. And the debates will rage. I know that's an oversimplification of everything, but I know he's trying to simplify it. And I guess I'm trying to simplify it. And anytime we try to simplify it, we really, we, I, I, do we do disservice to the complications that lie within it? I, you, you can make your own, uh, you can come to your own conclusions. Let's see where else he takes this. They don't believe Israel is legitimate. They don't think it has a right to even exist in that part of the world. And that has been true since all the way back to 1948 and 1948. Of course, you know the United Nations declared Israel is a sovereign nation. They sought to partition the land into a Jewish state and into an Arab state. The Jews accepted the partition of the United Nations. No Arab nation did accept it. In fact, not only did they not accept the partition, but on the day after Israel became a nation... That was May 14th, 1948. On May 15th, virtually every Arab neighbor attacked Israel to destroy it. Israel had been a nation one day. They didn't have an organized army. 
But you had all of the surrounding nations laying siege to destroy Israel. Miraculously, Israel survived that incursion. Now, I do think it's just, I mean, just a, perspe- just a question just to ask yourself, theologically, biblically, even practically, why has there been so much anti-Semitism and hatred for the Jews throughout history? Throughout history. Why is there so much anti-Semitism even today? I mean, social media platforms, you know, what we used to be Twitter, now X. There's been lots of reports about the rise of anti-Semitism on that platform. Other platforms, other social media platforms that are, that are more under the radar are, are hotbeds for anti-Semitism. Like, why? What is, what is it with the anti-Semitism? Why, why do many of the Islamic nations, why do they not want Israel to even exist? They don't want them to be a nation. I, th- I think it's an important question. There's something a- about that, that that is truly troubling and should bother. I mean, look at what happened you know, with Hitler and, and what he did to the Jews. Absolutely horrific, horrible, nightmarish, evil. I don't even know the words to even begin to try to describe it. So they became a nation. And the next day, you know, many of these Islamic nations sought to destroy them, to get rid of them, to try, try to. And, and if you think about it, most of Israel's neighbors don't want, don't believe Israel should even be in existence. That is a, that is a, and again, it go, does it go back to these very religious ideas? And you can throw in, you can get all the governmental leaders to throw in every political solution that they can come up with, right? To throw every political idea. But if you have deep-rooted religious beliefs about the existence or not the existence, my land, no, not your land, then all the politics in the world, they just put a Band-Aid, but the deeper issues never go away because they're deeply rooted in Religious text, religious beliefs, and theological beliefs, uh, ish, beliefs about covenants, land, uh, all of that. And, and uh, so much of it are, we're trying to apply, in many cases, secular solutions to deeply rooted theological issues. That happened again in 1967, when Egypt's president, uh, Nasser, um, in his own words, allowed his army to attack Israel, in his words, to destroy Israel. On that day, Egypt attacked, Syria attacked, Lebanon attacked, Iraq attacked, and the Jordanians, the Transjordanians also attacked. Israel survived that 1967 incursion. Shortly after that, just a couple of months, was the first time since that war that there was an Arab summit in Sudan, in Khartoum, where the Arab states who were represented at that meeting gave the famous three no's going forward. There will be no recognition, there will be no peace, There will be no negotiations. Let me explain that. 
There will be no recognition. We will never recognize the right of Israel to exist as a sovereign nation. That's number one, no. Two, no peace. We'll never form a peace agreement or treaty with Israel, secular Israel as a nation. And finally, no negotiation. So no recognition, no peace, no negotiations. So what does that mean? It means no peace treaty can be signed. No agreement can be made. They will never recognize Israel. I want you to get this. There's a charter, for those who care to read it, called the Hamas Charter. And the charter calls for the destruction, the destruction of the nation of Israel. In Article 13 of the Hamas Charter, it says, and I'll put this up, there is no solution for the Palestinian question except through jihad. Initiatives, proposals, and international conferences are all a waste of time and vain endeavors. End quote. Now, for your own personal research, you can look up the Hamas Charter. It is also known as the Hamas Covenant. Hamas Charter, formerly known in English as the Covenant of the Islamic Resistant Movement, was originally issued on 18 August 1988 and outlines the founding identity, stand, and aims of Hamas, the Islamic resistant movement. A new charter was issued by Hamas on May the 1st, 2017. All right, so the Hamas covenant, please note, there's one from 1988, but a new one was published on May the 1st, 2017. So make sure you look at the new one because that would be kind of, that would give you really Hamas's way of thinking and what they want to accomplish currently. So you can look at that. Uh, we could go back and read, uh, you could read everything about it, but you should be, look, when you hear people talking about the current situation, you can just ask them if they've ever read the Hamas charter. And if they haven't, uh, well, guess what? I would say, I, I would probably say maybe we should read this together before we carry on any further conversations about the current situation, because you really need to know what Hamas is thinking before you can, I think, draw a a definitive conclusion about, maybe you should put it this way. You need that information before you can speak authoritatively. I just, I just see so many people running around trying to speak authoritative in regards to some of these issues and they don't know some of this basic history. And in many cases, they didn't even know the Hamas charter even existed. If you didn't know it existed prior to today, then I would challenge you today to go read the Hamas Charter, right? And again, remember, the first one was uh, published on August the 18th, 1988, and the second one, May the 1st, 2017. Make sure you're looking at the 2017 Charter, all right? Or known as the Hamas Covenant or the Covenant of the Islamic Resistant Resistant Movement. All right, there you go. Let's Let's continue. You see what they're saying? Don't bother coming to us to sign an agreement. We'll never agree to anything. We want Israel completely annihilated. 
In fact, just the other day, this resurfaced. This is from Mahmoud al-Zahar, who is a commander for Hamas. He warned, and we should take this warning to heart, that Israel is only the first target. They said, he said, and I quote, the entire planet will be under our law. That's their goal. There will be no more Jews or Christian traders. The entire 510 million square kilometers of planet Earth will come under a system where there is no injustice, no oppression, no Zionism, and no treacherous Christianity. This is what they believe. Please note that, I mean, you got to really consider that, that it's not just after the Jews, it's after Christians as well. So if you are a Christian, you could see, well, where maybe we would not want to stand or support Hamas in any way, shape, or form, because not only do they want the Christians gone, not only do they want the Jews gone, they want the Christians gone as well. So something to consider and you need to be aware of. The unofficial motto of Hamas, the terrorist organization, is this. We love death as much as the Jews love life. How do you negotiate with that? We love death as much as the Jews love life. So this is why the Palestinians historically have never really settled on any peace agreement. They've never come to a settlement. Though there was an agreement under Bill Clinton, there was a, an, a, a few different agreements historically, the Oslo Accords, it didn't last very long because of this ideology. Instead, Palestinians, Arab nations, especially Iran, who fund some of these terror groups, how do they respond? By sending wave after wave of suicide bombers into the nation. It got so bad that Israel built a security wall for its own protection, which cut out about 90% of that terrorism. And of course, they were chastised. Israel was chastised for defending itself. They also responded by writing curriculum for elementary school students. In the curriculum, it's degrading of the Jewish people. In the curriculum, they're training a whole next generation of terrorists. In elementary schools, they will show children how to behead teddy bears to get them prepped for what we have seen going on this week. Now, remember, any claims like that have to be verified, triple verified, 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 and verified again through numerous sources. So um, now there's no question the Hamas charter would, would, be, would be disturbing enough. But I'm just saying with some of these things you, that you hear, you've got to be very, very, very careful not to just immediately jump to a conclusion. Go verify it and check it, check it all out to see what is true or not true. Not saying it's not, not saying it is, saying I don't have independent verification of that curriculum and where that curriculum was or wasn't used um, at this very moment in time. This week, Gaza attacked Israel with 
thousands of rockets. You know how many rockets have been fired indiscriminately, just fired over the border from Gaza into Israel since 2001? That's when they started. Over 20,000 rockets have been fired from Gaza into Israel. Then in 2021, they come up with this brilliant little device called an incendiary balloon. They took balloons and filled them with ignition fuel, tied them to a kite and flew them over into Israel, hoping that it will light the farms on fire, the forests on fire, some of the cities on fire. Then, as you have seen, paragliders with machine guns coming from Gaza into Israel. Then drones with bombs on them being unleashed. And so now, Israel finally said enough, and they formed this formal declaration of war. That's according to their constitution, Article 40A. They invoked that, and there is now this next-level declaration of war. This is not what Israel wanted. They did not begin the attack. They gave Gaza completely to the Palestinians. Ariel Sharon brought any Israeli settlements back, giving it to them since 2005. But look at the words of the fourth prime minister of Israel, Golda Meir. She said this, We can forgive the Arabs for killing our children. We cannot forgive them for forcing us to kill their children. We will only have peace with the Arabs when they love their children more than they hate us. Quite a quote. We'll only have peace with the Arabs when they love their children more than they hate us. But for those of us who are Bible students, we realize it always comes back to Israel. It always comes back to Jerusalem, right? And we have noted that. We have just concluded a series on The End is Near where we talked about some of these things. Here you have this nation that is smaller than the Central American country of El Salvador. You have a country that is roughly the size of the state of New Jersey, and yet it all comes back to Jerusalem, all comes back to Israel. So many of the headlines, it cycles through. In Zechariah chapter 12, the prophet said, It shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples, and all who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. Though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. So the Bible predicts, as it has been in the past, the Bible predicts so in the future, that the focal point of history will center on the Jewish people, the state of Israel, the city of Jerusalem. We discovered in our series on the end times that God's prophetic timetable, God tells time by the Jewish people. Seventy weeks are determined for your holy city and for your people, the prophet Daniel declared. Now, something we touched on in that series, I want to sort of bring it back to because Joel alluded to it. Steve did not, but Joel did. In Ezekiel chapter 38, there is 
and 39, there is the prediction of a future war that involves Israel and it involves nations around the world. But in particular, an alliance. Okay, I told you everyone is going to, and anytime anything happens in Israel, everyone runs to Ezekiel 38 and 39. They always do. Zechariah 12 is also uh, talked about. Usually Zechariah 12 is connected to um, Ezekiel 38 and 39. I, I cannot overemphasize this. You need to read Ezekiel 38 and 39 during this time. You need to do an observational reading where you just go through Ezekiel 38 and 39 and just write out observation. No interpretation. Don't even try to interpret it. Just write it out, like summarize what's there. I may try to do some kind of observational reading and study of the text uh, tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church. Because I think it's just so needed because, I mean, someone can throw a rock from Palestine over to Israel or someone from Israel can throw a rock over into Gaza. And immediately someone like, Ezekiel 38 and 39, the end is near. We're seeing fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And then, of course, then then the next, everybody forgets about it, moves on. And next time something happens, Ezekiel 38 and 39. So there's some basic, so first you should just read it and just observe it. Don't try to interpret it. Don't look at your study notes. Don't look at your, you know, prophecy Bible. Don't pull out your favorite prophecy teacher. Just read it for yourself and just say, what does this say? Forget what everyone else says that it says. And then as you read it, the question we have to ask ourselves to me is, is this referencing something that is future for us? Or was it referencing something that was future for the original recipients, but it has already been fulfilled? So is it future for us or is it history for us? It obviously was future for them, but when was it fulfilled? If we can find the historical fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 and 39, if we can find the historical fulfillment for it, then we say, okay, that's when it was fulfilled. We're not looking to anything into the future. If we cannot find a historical fulfillment, then your only other options is, is to spiritualize it and then claim it's been fulfilled spiritually somehow. You could attempt to do that. Or you have to just admit this has never occurred. It's got to occur in the future. And then you have to look at what actually has to occur for it to be literally fulfilled in the future. Because then you can stop looking at every little thing that happens. Oh, this is Ezekiel 38. No, for Ezekiel 38 to be fulfilled, what exactly has to happen? So those are the, that's, that's the way we need to approach it. But let's see what he does with Ezekiel 38. Obviously, he's going to go, he's not going to be doing an observational reading as much as an interpretive reading, but let's listen to his discussion. I don't know how, how deep he's going to go, but I am very curious. So let's see where this goes. That takes place between Russia, Iran, Turkey, and the Islamic states of the Upper Nile all against the nation of Israel. We call it the Gog and Magog War. You're familiar now with it. We studied it for a couple weeks in depth. This, what you're seeing this week, this is not that war. But it is pointing to that war. Okay. 
I'm going to applaud that because he doesn't immediately go, see, Gog and Magog is about to occur. He doesn't do that. He says, this is not that war. Maybe pointing to it, but it's not that war. Now, he went ahead and just identified many of these places, Russia, Iran. He just started identifying places. Of course, any good Bible student would ask, what are you basing that identity upon? Like, where are you getting the idea that that's who this is referencing? So you, you, you can ask that question as you read it, but I do, I'm do, I'm very happy. He didn't just immediately going, Gog and Magog is happening. It'll be here in five minutes. And okay, I'm glad he's not doing that. Let, let's see what else he does here. It looks like it's leading up to that war. Again, as Joel said, it's too early to tell, but it's going in that direction, though there are some stark differences. Here's the, the main difference. In the Ezekiel War, there are actual nations of the world that fight Israel. That's not happening right now. Israel is fighting a terrorist organization called Hamas. They're not engaged formally in a war against any nation yet. This could, however, lead up to the Ayatollah's doorstep in Tehran. Okay, now that is interesting because, let's see, I don't know what time this was. Let me, I've, I've got to grab my iPad here. I have, the first news story I saw, the very first news story I saw this morning was, and I quote the headline, a new front in Hamas war depends on Israel's actions, says Iran, Israeli-Palestine war. Although Tehran has been a long-term backer of Hamas, Iranian officials have been adamant, adamant, adamant that the country had no involvement in the military's attack against its arch enemy Israel on Saturday. Iran's foreign minister, whose government supports Hamas and other Middle East militant groups, said on Thursday, opening a new front against Israel would depend on Israel's actions in Gaza. So Iran is saying, hey, we're not involved yet, but it all depends on what Israel does within Gaza. Now, we, we all, this, we, remember, there's been already discussion. We've discussed it here on this podcast. We've played audio people claiming this, that they think in one, one, at least this is the theory that Hamas attacked primarily to almost bait, to almost entice Israel to go in and do a land incursion, a land invasion into Gaza. Because by Israel going into Gaza, civilians are going to die. Hospitals are going to be destroyed. Uh, It's going to be a horrific thing. And the cameras are going to be rolling. And when the cameras are rolling, watching what Israel is doing when they go inside Gaza, this will then incite the nations around Israel do, to rise up against them. And Iran is almost saying that, hey, hey, we're not involved yet, but we're, it all depends on what Israel does within Gaza. In other words, if Israel goes into Gaza and great horrible atrocities occur, then Iran's going to get involved. Well, now you go from a terrorist group, a militant group, Hamas, to now nation, at least one nation is involved. And once that nation gets involved, does another nation. This That's why I keep saying, look for the potential of escalation. Then note when escalation is actually occurring. We don't want to use hyperbole, but 
Yeah, if if that's when the nations get involved, that's when it becomes a problem. Now, does that get us to supposedly Gog or Magog and Ezekiel 38? We still haven't answered that question because we still have to determine if that's future and what was actually occurring. But you can see why some would then go, ooh, 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 see? See, we're headed in that direction. Let's see what he else he has to say. In Iran, it has that possibility. So in that Ezekiel war, even though we have, is right now you have America with its warships uh, out in the Mediterranean as, as backup for this war. In the Ezekiel war, no nation, no nation will help Israel. God himself will defend Israel alone, and he's quite capable of doing it on his own, as the world will see. Now, according to him, in Ezekiel 38, that war, Gog and Magog, no one will help Israel. That means not even the United States will be helping them. So as long as the United States is the ally and continues to help, you have not... See, these are the kinds of things, when you read Ezekiel 38, don't start trying to say this country represents this and this. Just say, what has to happen for this to be fulfilled. That's a good way to handle it. Everybody wants to start interpreting it. Just go, what must occur for this to be fulfilled? Now we can ask, has it ever happened in the past? And if it has, then okay. Then then we may, may not need to look for a future. But we can at least know for sure what has to happen to say. So many times people will look at something in the book of Revelation and say, this is happening. I'm like, look at the text. There's a million other things that have to go on for that to be fulfilled. Stop, stop doing that. So you can do that with Ezekiel 38 as well. Let's see where else he goes. But during the Ezekiel war, no nation will come to Israel's defense, not even this nation. All the nations will turn against them. This could be preemptively what is leading up to that war. In other words, this has the potential of producing that. Here's what you should know. Some of you already do by just the interviews and following the news. Hamas is funded by Iran, directed by Iran. In Tehran, among the Ayatollahs and the upper echelon, Israel is called the little Satan. America is called the great Satan. I've always been mystified by this, but the last couple days has me scratching my head even more. A former president, President Obama, gave $1.2 billion in cash and flew it to Iran. And he promised them $100 billion. The next president, President Trump, canceled the deal. But then... This current president reinstated the deal and promised $6 billion, listen, to the world's largest sponsor of terrorism ever. Iran is the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism on the globe. Why would anybody give money to that? You could say it's for humanitarian purposes. They actually have lots of money in their reserves. But something else you need to know. Though Hamas is armed and funded by Iran, do you know that Hamas terrorists were trained by the Russians? 
Now, think back to Ezekiel 38. You have this strange alliance that has never happened before. Never happened historically. The prophet predicted it. Never in history can we find it until now. Hamas is funded by Iran, but the terrorists were trained by a Russian group called the Wagner Group. You may have heard about them in the news recently. They came in after an incursion in Africa. They came to Gaza to train them militarily. And just yesterday, Russia said, if the United States supports Israel in this war, then Russia will support the Palestinians in this war. And just today, the president of Turkey, President Erdogan, rebuked Israel, saying that Israel is ruthlessly targeting Palestinians and violating human rights. So I wanted just to show you some of the the, the back thinking and talking going on in this war right now. We have this alliance, and we already know that there has been a deal. I told you about this in our series on the end times. There has been a, a, a deal between Turkey and Russia for an anti-ballistic missile system. I would say this or caution this. The, is it $6 billion currently that the Biden administration is possibly going to send to Iran. You, you need to, there's so much reporting on this and it's very partisan, right? You got some who look what Obama did with the Iranian deal. Some say it was a good thing. He was trying to prevent, hey, we'll give you money or, or we'll do, we'll do, we'll, we'll unfreeze assets that already belong to you, but they've been frozen because of the sanctions that were placed upon you. We'll lift some of these sanctions as long as we can get some kind of, you know, idea that you're not going to develop a, a nuclear weapon. Uh, and so we, you can look at uh, the strategic dis, the, the strategic reasoning behind it, whether you agree or disagree, whether you believe we should have left the Iranian deal and froze it. Well, well, you can get into all of the discussions. Everyone, this becomes a very partisan issue. Some people believe what Obama did was a good thing because he was trying to reach some kind of an agreement to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon because Basically, Israel said that's not going to happen. And if that gets close to that, we'll launch a preemptive strike to stop it. Okay, well, then you don't want that because then that turns the Middle East into a war zone, which then America has very vital interest there. It's called oil. Okay, which then everyone would be paying $15 a gallon for gas. So you can see all of the strategic reasons. So he does the deal, whether you agree or disagree. Money then is given to Iran. Some would argue that that money already belonged to Iran, but it had been held back by sanctions. So now it was being released to them because we're removing the sanctions. Uh, others will say, no, he was just giving the money. Okay. Then, yes, Trump canceled the deal. Some people said that was a good thing. Some people argued it was a negative thing because now Iran was going to be like, well, you canceled the deal. We'll go back to trying to, to, to get a nuclear weapon. And then Iran's like, if they do that, we're going to launch a strike. Okay. Then you back to that. That whole uh, back and forth. Now, Biden comes back. He's like, nope, I'm going to re release this money. Now, the Biden administration tries to argue it's going to go to humanitarian, uh, I think, uh, issues. But others would be like, no, the, uh, they, they will take it, use it to to form, to, to fund terrorism. High probability. But just uh, just note that there's always strategic reasoning behind both parties, whether a Republican or a Democrat and what they're doing. You may agree you may disagree. That's where the politics get involved. Just know, whenever you hear these issues, 
just do me a favor. Don't just listen to Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Fox News. Listen to both sides and listen to everyone explain the positives and negatives dealing with the money, what it's for, what it's not for, so that you at least hear all sides. Don't become monolithic in your news gathering and news information, because if you do, then you become blinded and you can't see. You become ideologically driven. You're not pursuing truth. You're pursuing an ideology that you already agree with, and you only are going to live in an echo chamber. And it's just going to bias confirmation. You're just going to be all whatever your bias is. It's just you're just going to listen to that, which confirms it. You've got to hear news that comes from different perspectives. Perspectives. You've got to hear multiple perspectives because sometimes the truth lies in the middle of the extreme. So one side could be saying, this is the greatest deal ever done. And the other could be like, this is the worst deal ever done. Sometimes the truth is somewhere in the middle. So he brought that up. He didn't go into great detail about it because you start pulling up articles about it. You're going to find so much information. You could spend a week just researching. So whose money actually was it? Was it already their money? And we've been holding it back because of sanctions. So are we giving them money or just giving them the money that was, was theirs that we were holding back because we placed sanctions upon them? And then should we be placing sanctions upon another nation? Who are we to say what they can and cannot do? Like you, you can get into all kinds of political, geopolitical philosophy and issues in regards to many of these subjects. That's in place. Now, again, when Ezekiel wrote about these nations, that had never happened. That alliance never happened. You are seeing it beginning to form now. So, a lot more could be said. I don't want to say more. I want to pray more. And we'll do that in a minute. So let me leave you with some things to do. What do we do now? Here we are. We're Bible-believing Christians. Some of us are looking for a tour to Israel in May. And as far as things are going right now, I plan on still going. Uh, Lord willing, of course, things could change. But I'm still planning to go. But what do we do until then? What should we do now with all this going on? Number one, stay prayerful. Right? That's a given, right? We, we, we would, you'd expect to hear that. Stay prayerful. Do you know, we are told, we are commanded by Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love thee. So we, we should be praying for stability in the Middle East, the peace of Jerusalem in particular. So stay prayerful. Number two, stay aware. Stay aware. Our security team here at the church has the motto, head on a swivel. You know, you're always kind of looking around. You, you want to live in the yellow you, you want to just be aware that, that not everybody in the world is good and bad things can happen, even to good people. So be aware. Stay aware. We're living in difficult days. And what is troublesome is not only do we have instability in the Middle East, but we have an, we have an unsecured southern border in this country right now. We have tens of thousands of military-age males from Middle Eastern countries included in the incursion at the southern border. We don't know who they are. Many of them, 150 of them, are, have been on the FBI's terrorist watch list that have come across the border. There's tens of thousands of people who have infiltrated this country 
and we don't know who they are, and many times we don't know where they are. So stay informed, stay aware. So stay prayerful, stay aware. And the third is stay informed. How do you stay informed? Well, you could just watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or... Hear the crowd. Hear the crowd. Oh, my goodness. See, he mentioned CNN and MSNBC and everyone, ooh, boo, stop that nonsense. Stop that. Christians, stop it. Christians should not be the one acting like that. I want to get my news from CNN, MSNBC. I want to get it from multiple sources. I want to get it from every. And just remember, who just lost a lawsuit for $750 million for reporting lies? Oh, yeah, that was Fox News. But I guarantee if he mentions Fox News, I doubt he's going to get any booze from the Christian audience because the Christian audience seems to think it doesn't matter if Fox News just got lost a lawsuit for $750 million for lying about the election. That's okay. I'm still going to trust them. They literally lost and they're going to be, they're still got another lawsuit coming at them. From Smartmatic, they're gonna, they're possibly gonna lose another one, probably for millions upon millions of dollars, because they have no proof to tell them that what they reported was even anywhere close to accurate. In fact, the emails from the Dominion case shows that many behind the scenes knew that Trump had lost the election and the election wasn't stolen, yet they kept reporting it. Why? Because they had to feed their audience what the audience wanted to hear. So sick of that. Ooh, mentions you mentioned we were so tribalistic that we are like, I'm going to gather news from Al Jazeera, BBC, Sky News in the UK, um, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, all the different sources. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of that. Just, I'm going to only listen to the side that I agree with. Well, you can never, you, oh, it leads to completely a wrong, you don't have an accurate perception of reality. So much of it is governed to try to, it's ideologically driven. The last thing we really want is news ideologically driven. But so much of it is. That's why you have to go, wait a minute, MSNBC is saying this and Fox is saying this. Those are radically different approaches to this subject. Hmm. Now, you may be your natural tendency, maybe to agree with one over the other. But you know what? Your natural tendency doesn't make it right. I can't believe Christians sitting in a church acts like that. It's so it's like junior high picking which team are you on? Which team are you? Which side are you on? You know, pick your you. You're either with the in crowd or you're with the or you're with the the, the out crowd. You got you got to pick a side. You got to be a part of your a certain clique, and just stop that nonsense. We should not as we should be on the side of truth. We should be on the side of putting away lying. We should be the side of trying to be reasonable, rational, wise, understanding, knowledgeable. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Not tribalistic, not not divisive over ideological things. And many things, these things are just ideological issues. And when you see, hear both sides, sometimes you'll be like, wow, 
I'm not even, I've never even thought that. I never even thought that. I, n- I didn't even consider that. Sometimes I'll hear one side and I'll be like, oh, wow, they got a really good point. I think I'm going to think that. And then the next time I'm listening to something from a completely different per- perspective, I'll be like, well, you know what? I never thought about that. Huh. And so then my, my view, my views sometimes kind of go in the middle. And what happens is then people hate me on both sides. People on the right hate me. People on the left hate me. And that usually tells me I'm doing something right because I don't want to be left. I don't want to be right. I want to be in the truth. Stop that nonsense. Booing a new, oh, that's so ridiculous. And again, you're going to book MSNBC wasn't sued for 700 or over. A, was it a billion dollars? They, they settled on a 750 million. Fox literally was proven that they reported lies. I mean, and they had to pay for it. I mean, that, that should tell you like, well, maybe they're not the bastion of, of truth and journalistic integrity as we try to make them out to be. And then the emails that we, that came out of that case showed that people behind the scenes knew this stuff is crazy. What are we doing? Well, we don't want to lose our audience. We don't want to lose our audience. Yeah. Okay. And you say, and everyone said, but, 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 but the other side, well, show me the lawsuit for the other side. I, I will agree that all sides in modern day media are questionable to me. And I believe they all play to their audience. They all play to the, their demographic. And I hate that. I wish we could just get back to reporting. And I don't care who gets offended. It should go, We should get back to the idea that with or without offense to friend or foe, we report on the world exactly as it goes. That used to be the motto for our newspaper here in Abilene, Texas. Well, uh, yeah. So, well, it depends on who you. Uh, okay, someone in the chat just said I don't support terrorism, but I wonder if anyone's ever asked why they do what they do. Well, I, I, it goes down to a number of of issues. One, religious belief. You want the Jews gone and want them dead, and you go back to the Hamas Charter, and that will explain why they do what they do. So I would tell you to look up the Hamas Charter. Um, uh, so you, you've got that. Two, uh, you got belief. You got religious beliefs about the land. And three, some believe uh, and would argue that Israel deserves what they get because of the way they've treated the Palestinians and the way they've treated that area. Now, again, some say it's the longest occupation. Others will say Israel's not occupying Gaza. So again, it's how you perceive what is happening there. But the Hamas charter will give you why Hamas is doing what they're doing because it outlines it pretty good. And they don't want Israel to exist. So um, that that would explain at least that to to a certain uh, degree. Uh, but we we have to look at all sides. I ca- I cannot stress that enough. All right, let's let him wrap this up, and we can wrap this up because wow, yeah. Here we go. Any one particular news source, but I'm going to say whatever you get your news from, wherever you do, add to that all Israel news. Get it from Jerusalem exclusively. Allisrael.com will take you to all Israel news. They'll give you a daily feed of what's going on there. You can click on links to get more information. They will give you the sourcing of that information so you can go as deep as you want. That's allisrael.com. Also, Joel is featured every week on TBM uh, on the Rosenberg Report, and that is RosenbergReport.tv. I would recommend that to you if you want the TV version of the news, RosenbergReport.tv. And above all, when I say be informed, read your Bible. 
regularly. Uh, get to know what God says about these issues, about the last days, about the strength that you can uh, live your life with every day in the midst of these last days. So stay prayerful, stay aware, stay informed, stay strong. Stay strong. Steve said you're going to be tested in the days ahead. Hamas, Iran, want images of Israel inflicting damage so they can show the world that and so that they'll win the media war. That's what they want to win. They want to win the hearts and minds of people around the world. And number five, stay encouraged. I would just jump in here when he says stay strong. When we see images of anything Israel does, just, this, this is very important from a Christian perspective, especially if you are a Christian who believe that God chose Israel and he's not done with the nation of Israel and that they, the, the, they will get the land and all of those things. If you, if you believe that, just don't, just don't make this mistake. Believing God is not done with Israel, made a covenant with Israel, and will fulfill that uh, covenant to Israel doesn't mean that we say everything Israel does is right. All right? Don't fall for that, right? You don't have to do that. When Israel, as a nation, does something, and it's horrific, it's tragic, it's devastating, it's perfectly okay to go, I don't agree with that action. I think they were wrong in this particular case. It's perfectly okay to... Some people believe it's either you have to just be against Israel 24-7, or you have to be for them 24-7. Now, I can believe what I, what I believe the Bible says about Israel, that God is not done. But at the same time, I can say, look, that was a horrible decision. That was wrong. I think that was ungodly. I can do the same thing about my own country. I can disagree. I disagreed with our invasion of Iraq. I think it was horrible, 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 horrible thing. I was opposed to it before we went into Iraq. I was in the United States military. I was in one of the briefings and I was the one arguing there are no weapons of mass destruction. You can tell me where I'm going. You can tell me what I'm going to be doing when I get there. But I can guarantee you this. There's no weapons of mass destruction. I remember having those arguments and almost got serious trouble because I'm like, this is a ridiculous idea. Staying in Afghanistan for 20 years, thinking that we're going to win the hearts and minds of people who are ideologically opposed to what we stand for in the United States of America was, I think, a foolish decision. Going in to eradicate maybe terrorist training ground, well, okay, from a strategic point, makes sense. Basically occupying a nation, trying to convince ourselves that if we build schools and give them water and electricity, that they're all going to love us is a ridiculous idea because they're ide- ideologically opposed. And you do not change people's ideology with bombs and military occupation. It never works that way. So, I, but, but I can still say I'm an America and love being an American, but still be very critical of things our country does. And I don't care if it's an R by their name or a D by their name. I don't care about their political. Uh, it's just like, I disagree with that, or I disagree with that, or I think it's wrong. Don't be, don't be so given over to an ideology or a, pol- or a political viewpoint or, or even, a, or even patriotism to blind you to when your country does something right or when your country does something wrong. And as a Christian, don't allow maybe your love and support for Israel based off scripture to blind you to when they are guilty of atrocities themselves. So stay strong, 
but stay honest. Okay, just just make sure you you you, you do that. All right, let, let's let him finish. In Psalm one hundred and twenty-one, verse four, listen to this promise: He who keeps Israel neither will slumber nor sleep. He, God, who keeps Israel, and he has done it time and time again, neither slumbers nor sleeps. You know, if you study Jewish history, if you study Israeli history, and you still don't believe in miracles, you're not a realist. Think of what Israel has survived. 400 years of slavery in Egypt, two total destructions, multiple deportations, 2,000 years of dispersion, and a holocaust. Add to that 1948, add to that 1967, add to that 1973. This is a horrible time. God's going to get them through. God's going to get them through. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. So stay encouraged. And the ultimate encouragement is what Jesus told us. When you see these things begin to take place, lift up your eyes because your redemption draws near. Now, I believe he's quoting from the Olivet Discourse there. And if he is, uh, I think that's primarily focused on 70 AD, but we won't get into all of that right now. Now, I can tell by the applause that most of y'all here are saved, right? You're saved. You know it. You're glad you know it. But listen, listen, you're saved for a reason, a purpose. Okay, we'll come back in and we'll stop right here. I didn't realize we're already at 69 minutes. Wow. I, didn't, I thought we were still like 30 minutes. Okay, so let me say this. I'm going to throw in one more thing that we need to do right now. And I'm, 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 I'm acknowledging my own failure in this. We cannot allow, again, we need to stay informed. We need to watch what's happening. We need to be balanced. We need to avoid many of these extremes and avoid some of the things we've talked about. But we have to, at the same time, maintain our own devotional, spiritual growth and focus. We got to maintain looking at scripture, studying the scriptures, growing, living out our Christian life. We can't allow this to so consume us that we then just basically go backwards spiritually. We cannot have that happen. And so I'll do my best to try to do better at that, bringing devotional messages, Bible studies, and different things here as well. But at the same time, I am going to continue to try to keep up with what Christianity is saying about this so that I can try to call out some of these things that I think are just wrong. We need, we need a more balanced approach. We need to, we need to maintain a, a correct perspective here. And so, um, well, we'll just see what happens. We're we'll just continue to pray. Um, I believe my, if you're asked my prediction, the next 24 hours, I think are going to be absolutely critical because I believe the land incursion, the Israel going into Gaza, the, you know, you, you can call it an invasion, you can call it an incursion, you can call it a military strategic decision to go in and go after Hamas within Gaza. I think it's probably going to unfold within the next 24 hours. I mean, that's not like I'm, I'm got some great insight. I mean, that's, I mean, 
Israel's told them, we're coming, we're coming. They've tried to tell them to flee, for people in Gaza to flee to a specific area. There's going to be, a, I think, a brief time to open the, the, in a sense, the border to let some through to find, to get safety. It's going to be a, it's going to be a horrible situation. Once they go in, you're going to see horrible things take place and you're going to see on your television great death and destruction within Gaza and it's i i have a i i personally believe it's going to escalate this and then Iran's going to be upset i don't know how they're going to get involved i don't know what russia will do i don't know what egypt will do i i know other uh militant groups will get involved hezbollah Hamas, uh, other other Islamic groups like that will definitely get involved. Well, Hamas is already involved, but others will get involved. So we'll ha- we'll have to wait and see. But I think the next twenty four hours is going to be it, it's going to be it, there's something we're going to want to keep our eyes on, and it's going to be very tempting. For, to, I'm going to try, even if we, even if it gets so bad, and I'm like, okay, we're just going to talk about we're going to turn on the microphone and just broadcast hour after hour. I'm going to do my best to try to even mix in there. Bible study, devotional message, something to try to keep us balanced. It's just going to be hard. I think next twenty four to forty eight is going to be um, we're, we're going to we're going to kind of see where things are headed. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem and pray for people on both sides. Look, we don't want anyone to die. I, I, I hate war. I don't want any human being to die. I understand war is sometimes justified. I, I believe in the just war doctrine as put forth by Augustine. So I tend to go, I, tr- I tend to lean more towards that. Um, this is a horrible situation, but people are going to die. Innocent people are going to be caught. Innocent from a human perspective um, are going to be caught in between this. Children, women, people are not involved in this in any way, shape or form are going to suffer and die. And it's it's not going to be pretty to see. So we will pray and we will keep an eye on what's happening and uh, I'll continue to do my best to try to be a voice of some kind of balance and reason here. Remember, do not just rely on one source of information. Hear all sides. Hear all sides. Hear the Arabic, the Palestinian, the Islamic side. Al Jazeera will be a, a much better source of reporting. The BBC seems to lean that way in many cases. Hear all the sides. Hear everyone's Think this is a time if you've got, you know, you've got a mobile device, find a podcast app and start looking for every news source you can find from NBC, ABC, BBC, uh, every, 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 every Sky News or uh, yeah, I think it's called Sky News. Um, Every, every source you can find, every source you can find. And just subscribe, 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 turn on your notifications, you'll get boom, boom, boom. Those reports come in. Many of those news uh, podcasts are updated hourly, and you can just keep up with the headlines and hear what's going on. But hearing it from multiple perspectives will keep you, hopefully, better informed and able to understand and articulate the different perspectives, which I think is important as a believer. All right. Thanks for listening. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great Saturday. Please pray. God bless.